This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Last week we started a series called Level Up and we were talking about level up means to upgrade, to, to move up a level. We talked about God's blessings. And uh, if, if you did not hear that or see that, I would encourage you to do it because I really believe there was a very definitive word for us as a church. Our objective is to be a blessing, always has been, and this, uh, our church is to be a blessing. There's some things involved in that. One of the things that we're praying is that, that we would see God's promotion, and we would see his presence and his protection. So I would encourage you to listen to that. I really think it pertains to where we are and where we're going. Now today, the message is different, but it, it also responds to really positioning ourselves. How do we even see God's blessings in our life? And I want to talk about leveling up our response, how we respond to people how we respond more to people, more so than situations. So this is more how we respond to people and our dealings with people. And I think it's important because it seems like we are living today in a very hostile land, that the age of diplomacy is over. I looked up diplomacy, haven't heard that word used much lately. Diplomacy means to handle people in situations with sensitivity and effectiveness. I thought that's good. Word tact, ever heard the word tact? Use some tact. Tact is, actually comes from a French word. It means a sense of touch. But it seems like the, the, that the culture we're in now is not a, a culture of diplomacy. It seems like it's a culture of anger. There's a lot of anger out there on all realms. And uh, I, I remember reading about a, a West Texas kindergarten teacher who was you know, trying to get a hold of her anger. She was a kindergarten teacher. She was trying to get some cowboy boots on a little five-year-old guy at the close of, uh, close of the class. And man, she was having a hard time getting these boots on. They did not fit well. And she was pushing and he was pulling and they were struggling. Finally, got them on and she broke a sweat by about that second boot. And uh, he looked down, he said, teacher, they're on the wrong feet. And she about cried when she looked down, they sure enough, they're on the wrong feet. So if you don't even think about cowboy boots, they're not just hard to get on, they're hard to get off. And so, man, she's pulling and tugging, and she gets the boots off and uh, gets them switched over, gets them back on the right feet. Man, she's really sweating now. And uh, she gets them on, she finishes, and he goes, these aren't my cowboy boots. <laughs> she says she didn't know whether to laugh or to cry. So she struggles, and she gets the, the boots off, and as soon as she gets them off, this little guy looks at her and goes, they're my brothers. My mama made me wear them this morning. She said she had to do everything she could just to keep from getting his face and screaming, why didn't you tell me that? But she kept her cool, and she got the boots back on and uh, got his little coat on. They're heading for the door. She said, where are your mittens? He said, I stuffed them in the toes of my cowboy boots. <laughs> She's eligible for parole in three years. I, 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 <laughs> there's, there's anger that's... <laughs> Sometimes I feel like it's warranted, but then we're dealing with a lot of anger that doesn't seem to be warranted. Someone read, I read recently an article that said, especially during last year, they said America's like in a, an anger incubator. I notice also that we're living in an environment where people are easily offended. I mean, you could just, boy, if you stayed in opinion now, especially if you're on social media, if you stayed in opinion, somebody's gonna be offended. And then Twitter blows up, and then you get these people going back on, on Twitter and making these really half-baked apologies, like, if I offended anybody, well, listen, 
If you speak publicly or do anything publicly, trust me, you have offended somebody. But this it seems like people are very easily offended today. And not just in offended, but everyone is, in, not, I say everyone, it seems like to be a culture that a lot of people are insulting. I, uh, I look at a couple of YouTube channels uh, when, when I kind of don't watch a lot of television, so I watch a little bit of YouTube and I need to give myself a mind rest. And I, and I follow a couple of channels of fountain pens and watch collectors. Now those are pretty innocuous items. Fountain pens, watches, not anything to, you would be amazed at the insults that people pass off on one another. You like blue, what an idiot. I mean, <laughs> it's a fountain pen for crying out loud. Why do we feel like we have to just, ins we can't disagree with someone, we have to insult them. And uh, so here's the, here's the deal. As believers, we are called, and as a church, we're called to be countercultural. If we want to make a difference, we're going to have to be different. And one of the key ways we're going to have to be different is we have to be different in our responses to people. Now, James, who is very pointed, we call, they call him the Proverbs of the New Testament. James had some very, very specific advice. And if, if we follow this, that uh, it will cause us to stand out. He says, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I like what the, what the Weiss translation said. It says the wrath of man does not work about what is right in God's sight. God's anger is not something that's working about what's right in God's sight. And one of the things we're going to have to do as a church is go, is this just good advice or is this God's word to us? Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Uh, Ellen uh, Galinsky did a, a study not too long ago. And she polled 1,000 school-aged children, third through 12th grade. And she polled them, and she asked them a question. She said, if you had one wish that you could do for your parents, what would you wish for them? And the parents thought it would be maybe more FaceTime or, or that the parents would give them more things. The parents were surprised to find that the overwhelmingly largest response is, is if I had one wish for my parents, I wish they weren't so stressed out and tired about their job. That was a surprise. And then they gave, they gave these, these school children a chance to grade their parents on different topics, A, B, C, D, E, and F. It, would, uh, it might interest you to realize that moms graded out a little bit higher than, than, than dads. Not overwhelmingly, but I think moms were like a B and dads were like a C plus. But 40% of the kids gave their parents a C, D, or F rating when it came to anger management. They said that I wish my parents wouldn't get so angry at me. I wish when I did something wrong, they wouldn't respond. I think we're living in an age where there's so much anger. And yet I, I realize this, and listen, I'm not pointing fingers at you. As I look back in my own life, Joy and I have raised three, I've now got grandchildren. But when we raised our kids, my biggest regrets as I look back as a parent or not on what I didn't provide, or I didn't create enough memories, or I didn't, my biggest regrets were the times that I was angry and said things in anger. And my kids still remember it. They'll remind me of it. 
But the thing about it is, if you have done that, apologize. Ask them to forgive you. Say you're sorry. But a better thing would be to be quick to hear, slow to tweet, I mean speak, <laughs> and slow to anger. And that's a, man, that, that's, that's a great way. You say, well, Alan, what, what does that have to do with the blessings of God? Actually, it has a lot. Our response does, tells a lot about us. And our response is something where, in God's sight, we want our responses to honor him. Now, I'll give you a great example from the Bible on a man who really leveled up his response. His name was David. David was certainly a man's man. He was a warrior. He was a fighter, very talented, very gifted. And about the time of this story, David is dealing with, he's, he's running from Saul, the king of Israel, who's trying to kill him. And he's not yet the king, so it's a transitional time. He's got 600 men in their families who followed him. And David, they have, a, they have a protection business. David goes to these ranchers and farmers and said, hey, when you're having your harvest or you're shearing your sheep, we're going to protect you. And then after we protect you, you can, you can give us something that'll help us. You ever thought about how much it's going to take to feed 600 men and their families? That's a lot of food. So David did this for a man named Nabal. And Nabal was a very wealthy uh, sheep owner. And while he was shearing his sheep, David's men took care of him. Well, David sent some men to Nabal after it said, hey, you know, we took care of your sheep. And uh, you got anything that you can bless us with? Nabal just completely just scorned them, dissed them. He said, I don't know who David is. And who is the son of Jesse? So not only, not only insulted David, he insulted his father. And then he said, you know, there's a lot of servants that have left their masters. So David, so he also says, basically, I'm on Saul's side. Saul was trying to kill David. And so Nabal just made, he just scorned them. And the men, the Bible said the men turned on their heels and they went back and they told David. When David heard it, man, that got him hot. He looked at his men, he put, gird your swords on. That's the ancient version of lock and load. He's like, put them on, guys. He said, he said there's not going to be a male left when I'm done. We're going to kill every male in that house. Because you obviously could tell this hit a weak spot with David. All the character issues that David had, he had some, a lot of character. He was a member. He's a man after God's own heart. He had a weak spot here because the punishment didn't fit the crime. His response was not good. So David has got 400 men. They're going to kill all the, the men of Nabal's house and Nabal. But Nabal had a, Nabal, Nabal, you talk about leveling up. He leveled up on who he married. He married a woman named Abigail who was one sharp cookie. And Abigail found out what was going on. She got a whole lot of pizza boxes and Chick-fil-A bu buckets and headed out to meet them. She took food to them. Always a wise thing when talking to angry men, bring food first. And so she, she brings food, she, she feeds them. And then she gives David some incredibly wise counsel. Let's look what she said to him. Now I'm going to read this because Abigail is speaking here and she keeps referring to David as my Lord. This was little L. This is not as, so when I, I'll, I'll distinguish little L with big Lord, the Lord. She said, now therefore my Lord, that's David, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand. Now then let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be his neighbor. <clears throat> Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house. 
because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord. And evil is not found in you throughout all your days. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life. That was Saul. But the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. And the lives of all your enemies, he shall sling out from a pocket of a sling. And this shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord, according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed your ruler over Israel, that this will be of no grief to you, nor offense of heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. A lot of the Lords and my Lords, but here's the wisdom behind that. When she looks at David, she basically says this, David, you're better than this. You're better than this plan. She said, you are, there's no evil found in you. You fight the Lord's battles. She said, you're better than this. Because what David was about to do was a major infraction against God's laws, shedding innocent blood, avenging yourself with your own hand. Remember the Lord said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. But David's about to take vengeance into his own hand and kill innocent people. And she said, you're better than this. You're, you're, you're a better man than this. And she reminded David that David had a connection with the Lord. He was, he was, he was, the Lord was protecting him. He said, the Lord's going to fight for you. She said, you are bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord. Really, that, if you look that up, it means the bundle of the living was a, was a cloth that they used to put clothing and valuables in. She said that you're, you're safe and secure with the Lord. He's going to fight your battles. And then she reminded him that he had a bright future. She said, God's, God's blessed you. God's going to make you the ruler. And when he makes you the ruler over all of Israel, he's going to keep his word to you. And when he does that, you don't want to do it, have done anything that's going to cause you grief of heart. You don't want your conscience bothering you because of this. I, you, her wisdom was amazing. Because she could have gone to him and gone, what are you doing? This is crazy. You can't kill her. But she appealed. You're better. You're connected. God's blessed you. And look how David responds. He had the wisdom and humility to respond then David said to Abigail, blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me and blessed is your advice and blessed are you because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. And David not only had the wisdom to listen, he had the wisdom to do. And he did not respond in this angry, evil way. He just let it go. He said, well, what happened? Nabal died just a few days later. Just basically had a stroke fell over and died. You all read the stories. Interesting. And after he died, David heard about it. And David remember Abigail. Ooh, I remember her. She was fine. And she, and she brought food. So he married her. I wouldn't call that a whirlwind romance, but he married her. Just, just, there's got to be a moral in there somewhere. But anyway, it was, it, it was a good thing. He, he married Abigail and God took care of David. Now, Let's talk a little bit about leveling up our response. We live in an angry, fearful world. How do we respond? How do we move our responses up? Well, here's one of the first things. All of us need to realize that all of us have our weak spots. All of us have areas, that, and, and maybe what bothers you doesn't bother me. Maybe somebody could say something about you, and man, that really makes you mad. It's like, man, they said something about me. That, oh, that just gets to me. Or maybe it doesn't. Maybe someone can say about you in your life, whatever. But then they say something about your kids. 
See, every time I, you, the first service, I had some lady went, whoa. Because that bothers people. You say something about my kids. Oh, oh, no, you didn't just say something about my kids. So maybe that gets you. Maybe it's criticism. Maybe it's someone rejecting you or scoring. Everybody's got their weak spots. I would, when Joy and I came back years ago from North Carolina, we had started the church, didn't work, we came back. And I was talking with, uh, Lakewood had a big function. I was talking with a, a man who was a peer of mine there. And he said, hey, what happened to that church? I said, well, we shut it down. He said, how, how soon? I said, well, we stopped it after a month. He looked at me, he kind of went, Phew. he went, you didn't even get started. Turned around, walked off. I wanted to lay hands on him in Jesus' name. <laughs> but it wouldn't have been in Jesus' name. It, oh man, that, that got me. I stewed over that for a long time. And finally said, well, what did you do? Listen, if you know you got a weak area and you get hit there, one of the things is don't keep looping it. Don't keep playing it over and over and over and over again. Just give it to the Lord and say, Lord, you got to help me with this because this, this, this stung me. This hurt me. But recognize, listen, guys, everybody has got their areas. So you just have to recognize where yours are. And the enemy, and the enemy well, he knows where they are because he'll play you. You might remember a jack-in-the-box, this little jack, not, not, not the restaurant, the, the, uh, the actual little jack-in-the-box, old toy, and you, and you would turn the handle, and you go, bring, 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 nothing would happen, bring, 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 nothing would happen, and then you turn a couple more times, and pop, that, that thing would pop out of the box. We're talking an old toy. I mean, this was old when I was a kid, and so people would have those, but that's what the enemy does. Let me try this to see if that gets them. Let me try this and see if that gets them. Let me try this. Oh, I'm going to talk about their kids. And it pops up out of the box. He went right there. There's the weak spot. So don't keep recounting it. And then we need to begin to focus in on God's higher truth. Now, I'm going to give you some things today that are not like an instant answer. But they are a mind renewal thing, something we can renew our minds to. And we have to renew our minds to this. We are called to better responses. We're called to better. Now, there's a, a great verse. Paul is speaking to the church in, in Ephesus. It applies to the church here in Montgomery County. Go ahead and put that up, guys. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness. That word lowliness means humility and gentleness, with long-suffering. That means putting up long with people, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Paul's writing to the church. He's saying, hey, this is how we're, we're to respond. He said, so I'm, I'm calling. He said, because of our, because listen, when, when we made Jesus our Lord, we didn't just get heaven when we die. That was a change that took place in us. We're new creation. Spiritually, we were reborn. We're regenerated. We're different. And so we're called. We have capacity to do these things. We're called to more. And we're called to better. A number of years ago, I, we had, I had a, a, a staff member a beloved staff member here at this church named Freddie Hector. Freddie was Wilma's uh, husband. He's in heaven now. He left way too early. But he was a wonderful staff member. And Freddie was my guy. Freddie had my back. I didn't have to look around. And man, Freddie was just right there. He was so supportive, such a blessing. Big teddy bear of a guy. And we were sitting there one day. He were in my office. And I'm talking to Freddie. And someone had done something to me. And in the church. And they were, and man, I was hot. And I was like, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And I, and I just laid out my plan. And I remember Freddie just sat there for a little bit, and he was real quiet. Well, he looked at me and went, 
nah, you're not going to do that. I went, he said, you're better than that. He said, that's not you. You have more integrity than that. I love how he came at me. He didn't just go, that's stupid, Alan. I'm going to watch you do something stupid like that. That's a stupid thing to do. That's a stupid, why would a pastor do a stupid thing like that? He said, you're better. And he called me up to better. So I didn't even respond. I appreciated his counsel. He helped me. But you know, you're called to better. I'm called to better. Say, well, I don't have a Freddy in my life. You have an Ephesians in your life. And it just said, we're called to walk worthy of the Lord. We're called to respond in a way that's honoring and gracious. We're called to better. We're connected to him. You know that Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. Do you realize where Paul later said we're ambassadors for Christ? That we are, we're representatives, we're connected. And because of that connection, it causes us maybe to think through some of our responses before we just blow somebody away. A number of years ago, I was riding. You've heard me tell this story before. I'm riding with Matt in the car. He's front seat. I mean, we're in the truck. We're on 242. And we're getting out behind someone slow. And a lady pulls over and gets in the left lane and slows down. I don't know why people do that. But she's in my lane going slow. And then I can't move because the person in the right lane, they're going slow. You ever had that happen? Doesn't that just bless you? Just, you're just like, I am feeling so loving and warm toward this individual. And I'm about to give her the horn. You know, in Texas, we don't use horns like they do up north. We don't use them, we don't use them often. But when we do, we are serious about this. And man, I'm about to lay the horn on. And, and, and Matt looks at me, he goes, it's probably a church member, Dad. I pulled my hand off the horn. Smile. And, and, what, and, and what struck me was I altered my response because I was conscious of representing this church as a pastor. So I altered it. Can we alter our response because we become conscious that we're connected with the Lord? He's the vine, we're the branch. We're connected with Him. So we alter our response because we don't want it to reflect poorly on him. We want it to walk worthy of the Lord. It was about this quiet in the first service too. I realized this is one of those shouting services. Actually, it's not. But these are the things that help us. Because here's the, here's the, the bigger picture. We're called to blessings. We're called to be a blessings. And God's blessings are stronger than man's curses. People can say things about you and do things but the blessings of God on my life are stronger than anyone's criticism, anyone's curses of me. And so I begin to think, I'm, I'm blessings-minded. Look what it says here. Finally, all of you be of one mind. Have compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you were called to this that you may inherit a blessing. Listen, I'm standing in the blessing line. And I, there, there's blessings. You are standing in God's blessing line. Don't get out of line just to let somebody have it on social media or tell them off or get after them or respond in anger. 
You don't want to skip out on the blessings. So you say, Lord, you take care of them. I'm, I'm just positioning myself because I need more of your presence. I need more of your promotion. I need more of your protection in my life. I need your blessings more than I need to let them know what for. It's our response. And here's, a, here's another one. To guard your heart, guard your response. See, a lot of times we think about guarding our heart. I'm going to protect my heart. I mean, I got, I got to keep stuff out, but keep toxic people away. I'm going to keep bad media out that's bothering me. I'm not going to think about things that people have done to me. I'm guarding my heart. I'm guarding my heart. That's smart. So I'm not letting stuff in. But I don't want to just not let stuff in. I don't want to let stuff out. See, there's a lot of people that tell you, hey, man, you're angry. You got to just let it out. You got to find somebody and vent on them. Or just too often, it's our loved ones. But people say, I'm, I'm going to vent. I'm, I've got to vent. I've got to let it out. Listen, you're not letting it out. There's a, a number of years ago, they started in Germany called a swearing hotline. For $2 a minute, you could call and cuss at a, a live operator. Serious as I can be. You could call them. You could taunt them. You could harass them. You could call them names. And they would just take it. And sometimes they wouldn't take it. They would just call back and go, that's a weak that's a weak insult. That's all you got. The Germans came up with this and they talked to the owner. He said, why do you have this? He said, I'm doing people a service. So instead of going home and taking it out on their family, they can just take it out on somebody else. And we think, hey, if I just let it out, that's going to, that's going to help me. Listen, letting it, it's not, you're not letting it out. You're letting it in. When you yield to it and give over to it, it's anger. And what happens is so many times, I know maybe it never happened to you, I have said things in anger that I regretted later. Maybe I'm the only one, but I've said things. Listen, I, we used to have it around here because I'm a little, y'all think, oh, Pastor Allen's so sweet. No, I've got a temper. I've got to deal with it. And people would write me stuff and I would write them back. And then I, then I would give it to Wilma. And Wilma would look at me and she'd go, So, so oftentimes before I respond to somebody, I give it to Wilma or I give it to Joy. And if it can pass those two, I'll send it. But a lot of times what I've had to do is wait 24 hours before I respond. And then I sit there and look at that thing and I go, ooh, don't think I'm going to send that. Guys, listen, we're living in a world that needs our love. We're living in a world that needs the church to be different from the world that we're living in. And one of the best things we can do is how we respond to this world. Again, you know, you've heard us say, we're here to bless this community. We're here to be a blessing in this community. Listen, there's a lot of people that don't know who I am, but they know who you are. And your response and how you treat them makes all the difference in the world. This is why we wanted people smiling when people come into our parking lot why do, we, why do we just don't tell them we're apart? We smile at them. Why? Because we want them warm to the gospel because we know that God's heart is warm to them. We have to be willing to listen to God's word. We have to have the humility just like David. David listened to Abigail. We need to listen to God's word. We need to listen to people he brings across our path that have godly advice. And we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. You know, Abigail helped David. The Holy Spirit helps us. If we'll listen to him, He's not going to nudge us to write something that just rips them. He's going to nudge us to bless or to forgive or just forget it and go on down the road. And if we're listening to him, 
were wise. Because isn't our God that way? Isn't he good to us? Are you glad he's not angry? Some people see an angry God. We got a God who's not angry. A number of years ago, and I'll close with this. A number of years ago, 2009, the Philadelphia Phillies were playing the Washington Nationals in a baseball, it was a baseball a pennant race and a big playoff game. And a man by the name of Steve Montefordo took his little three-year-old daughter, Emily, to the game. They're sitting there in the game and somebody hit a foul ball and it began to curve back up toward the, the upper deck where Steve was. And Steve Montefordo reached out over the rail and caught a foul ball, which is like, if you're a baseball fan, that's like the ultimate. And he sat back down and he gave, people all around him are like, you know, clapping. And he gave the ball to his three-year-old daughter, Emily. And she promptly took it and threw it over the rail. <laughs> people around went, <gasps> they gasped. And it caught Steve completely by surprise. But then what he did made such an impact. He just picked his daughter up and just held her in a tender embrace. And I read that and I thought, man, isn't that the way our God is? We do dumb stuff. We respond poorly. We throw the ball away and the Lord's like, I gave you that. We're just like, throw it away. And we've all done dumb stuff. Listen, if God was angry, a lot of us would be toast a long time ago. But what he reminds us of is that he's a God who's not angry, whose response towards us is loving. And then he says, can you do that for one another? Will you be willing just to have a level up response? Would you bow your head for a moment? His heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you came this morning and said, you know, Alan, I, I really don't know that I have a relationship with the Lord or I did at one time and I've gotten so far away from him. We're going to say a very simple but powerful prayer and sitting right in your chair, we're not going to have you get up or come to the front. But this is, a, this is such a good prayer with the one who loves you, with the one who reaches out to you. And this is a great opportunity for you to reach back. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no one looking around. But if that's you that I'm talking to, you say, Alan, I, I do want to be sure of my relationship with the Lord or I know I want to come back into fellowship with him. Would you pray for me? Real quick, would you shoot your hand up just across the auditorium and say, Alan, that's me. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Anybody else? Great. Put your hands down. We're going to pray. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Pray this prayer with us out loud. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. Listen, you can still get in on this. We can, you can pray this prayer with us. We're going to pray it out loud together. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, heads are still bowed, eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. We just rejoice with those who come to know you for the first time and those who've come back home. Father, we rejoice that you welcome them with open arms, a tender embrace. Father, we are grateful for all the good that you have planned for their lives. And Father, for the rest of us, if we've held on to anger and stuff, forgive us 
Help us walk past it and help our responses be something that, that warrants the worthiness of your kingdom of what Jesus has done for us. That we can be representatives of, of him and that we can make a difference in this community that you planted us in. We give you all the praise for that. For you are truly good and your mercy endures forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.